Hello, everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast, where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Today, we are talking about the 2021 Italian Grand Prix, where Daniel Ricciardo won his eighth race in his career and his first for McLaren, with Lando Norris finishing second, doing the shoey, <laughs> and Valtteri Bottas finishing in third after winning the sprint race and starting from Not the doing the shoey. Not doing the shoey. So, Jordan, this is your favorite track. This was probably your favorite race. Talk to us about it. It was the best race of the season so far. Point, final, best race of the season so far. We were treated to some drama. We were treated to some excellent racing, some excellent performances by some drivers that didn't perform well this season and now are performing well at Monza. It was a race to remember, just like Monza is every year. You know, the past two years we've had, you know, I mean, Charles Leclerc won the, the race before that in Spa, but we've had some first-time winners, essentially, with Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari, with Pierre Gasly and the AlphaTauri. And then Ricardo hasn't won in a very long time, so it's a first-time winner with McLaren. Ricardo has not won. To some anomalies in, 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 in the season at Monza, and it's been fantastic to watch. I, from what I remember, Ricardo has not won since Monaco 2018. So... More than and that was a big race for him. More than three years ago, so it's been it's been a, a hot minute for for Ricardo. And uh, you know what? I think we could jump right into it. Uh, we have some we've had some very entertaining moments. Jordan, what was your most entertaining moment of the uh, of the weekend? So my most entertaining moment actually highlights something that's very important. And I don't think it's been more important in any other season. And that is the pit stop battle. What goes on, not on the track, but in the pit lane. And we saw, for me, the most entertaining moment was watching, number one, who was pitting first, who was not pitting first, what the pit strategies were. But in the pit lane, seeing Verstappen there stationary for 10 plus seconds, Hamilton stationary for not as long, but I think it was about four or five seconds, um, made for some very entertaining uh, scenarios to be played out. And this season, when we think about Spain, we think about France, Portugal, to a certain extent, we see how important pit strategy is and how important the pit crew are to a driver's race. You know, especially when we see, I mean, it wasn't um, a Valtteri's fault in Monaco, but, you know, it, it, it spoiled his race. What happened in Italy. Yeah. So... I think that my most entertaining moment was watching what would happen now that Verstappen had, you know, 10 seconds stationary, the scenarios of potential play out with him being, uh, uh, with him not moving for so long, especially with Hamilton also not moving for for a good five seconds. I mean, we ended up seeing what happened, uh, which I guess we're going to talk about later. That's what happens when you keep uh, two world championship uh, contenders stuck in the pit lane forever. You get them very, very mad. So let's, 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 I think we're going to talk about that later, but Jordan, I, I am very surprised that you had this opportunity to talk about Valtteri Bottas and you did not talk about Valtteri Bottas. Because he's coming up. He's coming up. All right. So for me, the most entertaining moment was Valtteri 
honestly, just Valtteri this weekend, okay? Valtteri goes on, takes pole for the sprint race, wins the sprint race, starts from the back, and then claims a podium from the back. There is no way. I like. I wish Valtteri Bottas did this the entire season or when there were expectations of him to actually perform well because now that he's going off Romeo, it's like, oh, I guess I'll just make everyone look completely stupid on track and uh, claim a podium thanks to a five-second penalty. But that was – I. I will stop hating Valtteri Bottas for today and say that it was a fantastic weekend for him and it was absolutely well-deserved. I am so happy that you brought this up. For those who don't know, Valtteri Bottas started the race dead last. All right, we're not going to count Pierre Gasly because he was barely in the race. He wasn't even in the race. Tsunoda didn't start. Noda didn't start. I think he started P19 because Tsunoda didn't start. Not Gasly, sorry. Gasly was a DNF later. But Tsunoda didn't start. He was dead last in P19. And he charged like a, like a, like a Red Bull, or I should say uh, like a Mercedes, all the way up to the field to P3, which is unheard of. That's, you know, the only time it's ever happened closely, remotely close to something like that was Sergio Perez's win at Secure last year. And I put the fact that he went from P3, from P19 to P3 as my best overtake. Because the and, amount... Uh, of- you know what? It was also my best overtake, too. It was just like Valtteri on everybody is what yeah, I... Yeah, it was... He, he overtook the entire field. And to me, that was so impressive. And I think that if we're going to get, you know, personal and psychological here, I think it just speaks more to how Valtteri Bottas responds to pressure. And... I think he I think has that, no pressure placed on him now. Yeah, and I think that for a part of the season, I had I, I thought that he was going to respond so well to the pressure because of his preseason comments. But, you know, with everything that happened, it made me realize that, you know, Valtteri Bottas, when you put expectations on him, he might not perform as well. Um, you know, in, in Secure, when um, he took pole position over George Russell in that qualifying session, it might have been, you know, the fact that George Russell had no experience in the Mercedes car, which is the reason why he outperformed him. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show that when, you know, the chips are off the table for Valtteri Bottas, he'll, he'll, he, he doesn't care. He'll do whatever it takes. And unfortunately, when the chips are on the table, it's hard for him to perform. Um, now he has his Alfa Romeo contract, his future is sealed. He doesn't have to worry about it as much. We could be seeing some really good performances. And, you know, I don't want to sneak peek to my prediction for next week, but Valtteri won in Sochi last time around. Are you going to predict? Are you, you know I'm, what? I'm, pre- I'm both predicting a win for Valtteri Bottas next week in Sochi. Well, look, I think this comes to show that whenever I talk bad about somebody, they eventually prove me wrong. I've said that about Fernando Alonso this season. I've said it about Esteban Ocon in our driver rankings. I've said it about Valtteri Bottas in literally every single podcast. Uh, I think we've come to the point where I think I should just jinx everybody. And then from there, everyone's going to do well. Like, oh no, uh, Lance isn't doing well. And watch next week, he's going to get a podium. So, <laughs> Jonah, uh, you're funny. What a, what a, what a crazy race. This has been. Yes. Like, McLaren, okay, 
I don't know where you have McLaren in your in your things to talk about for the podcast. So I I think we should just talk about McLaren in general because I have McLaren as my most surprising moment actually. Okay. The fact so let's, they let's, got a one two. Let's talk about McLaren. Let's talk about McLaren. Is in my most surprising moment for the sole reason that Lando Norris was out of the points last week. So I don't know if because this track was a very straight, heavy track that McLaren performed much better. But because I saw the performance of McLaren, especially of Daniel Ricciardo, the first half of the season, we were talking about during the race, John and I were texting, and I told him, throwbacks when McLaren when, to when Ricciardo was lapped by Norris in Monaco. And there was that whole, uh, there was that whole thing where Norris was waving to him and as he was lapping him and Ricardo didn't perform well. Lando Norris outside of the points last week. So for me, the most surprising moment was seeing them at the one-two. I was so happy to see them at the one-two, but I was more surprised than anything to see them at the one-two position. I think I, I wouldn't really call it surprising because, you know, when we, when we go back to what we said last week, I said that we could potentially have a first a first race winner um, to the, this week. And I said it could either be Lando Norris or Carlos Sainz. I mean, I thought I had some sort of faith in McLaren this week. Um, but I think that it's been a long time coming for this team where we've seen some very consistent results from them with the exception of uh, Norris being out of the points last week. Um, and I think that this is a, a long time coming for them, that they've worked extremely hard to get to this point uh, where they've come from being ninth in the constructors a few years ago to now being race winners uh, in the span of three years. So I think that it, it shows more that they've really turned the ship around, uh, hint, hint, since Fernando Alonso left McLaren. And the second time, and it shows that with the right people behind you, anything is possible. You may not have the best car, you may not have the most amazing drivers, but you could definitely put together something magical. And I think that's a testament to what McLaren has been going through, uh, especially the last two years. Right. And I agree. I want to say this. Last year when Pierre Gasly won the Italian Grand Prix, we're commending Pierre Gasly because Pierre Gasly went through, you know, he went through hell. He lost his best friend in a crash in Belgium. He was demoted from Red Bull Tafeltari after being getting the promotion to another rookie driver. He already had experience. And we gave Pierre Gasly all the credit. I think this time around, we're giving more Andreas Seidel and Zach Brown the credit than we are giving to Daniel Ricciardo. And I, I, it's a testament to their hard work and to the team. You know, they built that team from scratch again, essentially from the Stoffel, Van Dorn, Alonso area, area, era, when, you know, they weren't doing so great. They were, in the, they were, they were very close to, to, to getting no points in every race. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a testament to how, how great, um, the English team has put together a car. And, uh, and yeah, and just based off the season to me was very surprising. But I'll say it's a pleasant surprise and a testament to their commitment. 
I, I think as well that um, R- Ricardo, I mean, we're not going to, let's not lie here. Ricardo put on a hell of a drive this weekend. Oh, the, absolutely. Like this entire weekend. But I think that he is the benefactor of the entire project that McLaren has gone through over the last three years. I mean, like I just said, you may not have the best car and you may not have the best drivers, but now you have a solid combination with the right mix of things happening in the background that it ends up working out. And if there's one thing that I really like, my photo moment of this Grand Prix was seeing Zach Brown and Daniel Ricardo and the Lando Norris on the podium having the time of their lives. Um, that was that was absolutely amazing. Um, do you have anything to add uh, on McLaren before I go to my most surprising moment? It was a very pleasant surprise. Take okay. it away. Well, in that case, my most surprising moment was Sergio Perez's five-second penalty. Um, Ooh, because, okay. because I don't think it was that bad, okay? Uh, I, I think that he got the penalty for uh, cutting a chicane and because he ended up uh, – there were two scenarios where one of them he ended up passing Stroll because he cut a chicane and then they let him back and then he ended up passing him three turns later. And then uh, I, I think that both situations were definitely not deserving of a penalty um, because Sergio Perez for the first time, well, no, for the second time this season showed that when Max DNFs, um, he could be able to pick up the pieces. Uh, and had he not had the five-second penalty, he would have definitely gotten a podium, which would have also been well-deserved based on the fact that he started from P8. Um, so I think that both, both scenarios were, for me, not deserving of penalties. And I think that Sergio Perez should have been on the podium instead of Valtteri, but I'm not going to take that away from Valtteri because it was a great drive by him as well. Yes. And Jonah, we, we saw, especially in the first lap and through the qualifying and sprint race sessions, that Monza is a very easy track to cut corners, especially when there's a heavy congestion, heavy traffic. When you're there, we saw it, you know, with, uh, with our favorite team, Aston Martin. In the first lap, Seb got cut by Lance. Mm. And as much as Lance is a great driver, that was not the right move on Lance's part. But it's still... But, to Lance's, uh, you know, to give Lance some credit, like, it's very hard to not cut corners at Monza. Yeah. It's something that you really have to mitigate um, because the track is narrow, because, you know, the turns themselves, the nature of the turns themselves. So I do have to agree with you on this one. I don't think he deserved the penalty, but I do think Bottas deserved the P3. Ah, man. I think, I think... Depending on the, like, the results this weekend were a coin toss for me of who deserved P3 because I think that Sergio Perez drove well. Valtteri Bottas really drove well. But uh, I I don't know. Part of me is saying I would rather a Red Bull on the podium than a Mercedes on the podium because we've seen that the entire time. Meanwhile, we could officially say now that Valtteri Bottas is the more consistent of the Mercedes drivers. (laughs) 
Um, but I think there was another Mercedes driver and another Red Bull driver that had quite the time this weekend. And if I'm not mistaken, this would probably also be your dramatic moment. The Absolutely. The crash. Let's talk about the crash between Verstappen and Hamilton because, I mean, the halo has saved another life. Um, but one question that I want to ask you, actually, is first off, take us through how you think the crash, the crash happened and how you think about it. And then second, how do you think uh, do you think that Max's three-place grid penalty for next race is uh, justified or not? So, um, <laughs> so, the way I see the crash happen is that Lewis was coming out of his pit stop. And if you pay attention at Monza, the pit, the white line coming out of the pit, so when you come out of the pit, you have to stay within the white line until the white line ends. That's the only time you're able to uh, stay in a certain lane and not interfere with the rest of the drivers. So as soon as the white line was over, Lewis wanted to get in front of Max and establish the fact that he was in front before turn one and two came around. So the way I see it is that Max was not able to gauge the distance to Lewis because Lewis is in a completely other lane. Mm. So Max thought he had space. And the way I see it is that Max shouldn't have taken the turn. I think he should have went to do the escape route and took a bit of a risk. And he knew that sausage curb was there. And that was the result of it. Now, is the three great plays probably justifiable? My opinion, absolutely. Why? Mm. Because Max should have gauged the space. Yes, Lewis is known to not give space, but at the same time, he should have gauged that to begin with instead of playing the blame card and taking the escape route and try to get him at the cleaner, at a cleaner turn. That's a, that's a very solid analysis, probably better than anything that I'm going to say right now. Um, the way that I see it is, from what I saw, I think that Hamilton actually went over the white line in the pits to be able to cut off Verstappen. I mean... Look, I was ready for some hard-fought racing. I did not expect it to be that hard-fought. Um, I think that the extremity of the accident could have definitely been mitigated, but the thing is that it was up for me, it was up to pure chance that it ended up in the gravel the way that it did um, because there are, there are a million other ways that Max could have flown had uh, after hitting the sausage curb. Um, I mean, I'm really happy that Lewis Hamilton is okay um, because no one wants to see a tire on the top of someone's head. And we could say for the second time uh, in the last whatever it is, uh, six, seven months that the halo saved the life uh, today, or no, today, Sunday, you get the idea. Um, I don't know. I, I think that it might not have been justified for me to have the three-place grid penalty because I think the way that it ended up was mostly 
because of chance due to Max hitting the sausage curve. Yes, I, I agree with the fact that the physics of hitting the sausage curve made it so that the way that Max was turning in, clipped it, bang, bang, happened in that sort of way. I understand that. But I do think that if they didn't make contact with the sausage curve, they would have made contact in another way. Mm. And that would have impacted each of their races because the turn was so tight and they were so close together. And Max was so eager to make the turn. Whereas he could have gauged the distance and been like, hmm, this might not be the best decision. I know they have to think on their feet. These Formula One drivers yeah. are amazing for doing so. But they should, he should have, I think they gauged that he should have known to take the escape route. Well, I feel like we have a lot to talk about <laughs> with the evolution of how that's going to go. Because what do you think this means? What do you think this means for the championship fight? What do I think it means for the championship fight? I think it means that the gloves are off. I think it means that we're going to be seeing one of the best races we've ever seen in the next couple of races. I'm just hoping to God that it's an actual decent fight and that it's not just them crashing into each other every race because none of us want that to happen. What I'll say is that this title might be decided either in Jeddah or Abu Dhabi. I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, that's going to suck, though. Imagine watching Abu Dhabi for it to decide the title, and you can't... Actually, no. You might be able to overtake this time around because of the way that... Uh, they changed the, the turns, changes. yeah. Because of the circuit changes at Abu Dhabi, where they finally put the hairpin that's been there forever... Um, but who knows? I mean, Jeddah seems like a very fast track. I'd like to see, I'd like to see how racing looks on that. Um, but Abu Dhabi, I just hope that it's a good race because if I'm going to watch Abu Dhabi for a title fight, it better be an interesting race. Absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of which that's in, I think, Nine Abu Dhabi is in 10 races time, nine races time, something like that. In 10 days time from the time of recording, we are going to Sochi. Um, I have gone on record saying that I don't like this track. It is uh, one of my three worst tracks on the grid. If we go back to one of the episodes we made a, a few months ago. Um, Jordan, what is your bold prediction for the Russian Grand Prix? Well, I want to hear your, your bold prediction because I predicted Valtteri would win. You predicted Valtteri would... Oh, that's true. You predicted Valtteri would win. My prediction would be... Here's my extremely bold prediction. Nikita yeah. Mazepin in the points. I, I am speechless. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out, Okay. I understand the Haas is a really bad car, but we've learned after this week that anything is possible. We've learned after Hungary that even Alpine could win races. I think that if there's a, and Williams have gotten points three out of the four last races after not getting points for two and a half years, 
If there is one place where Nikita Mazepin could score a point, it's at its home Grand Prix. So that is what I think. I'll say that I think that it would happen if there's a big crash of turn two. Yeah. Because <laughs> and no one goes I, around I, the escape route. <laughs> yeah. And the the what I'll say about these one-time winners like Alpine and even AlphaTauri to a certain extent is that what's really unfortunate is that we don't really see a team win on pure pace. We see them win as a result of a crash like Alpine. And I think, I think that, McLaren won on pure pace this weekend. That's what I was going to say to end off the podcast is that this weekend we were treated to a really a first time winner, essentially that was merited on absolutely pure pace. And I was very happy to see it and very pleasantly surprised. And you will and be that pleased note, to see uh, Valtteri Bottas on the first step of the podium next week or two weeks from I, now. I would be because I think it would be a very nice closure for him. Well, that is uh, absolutely fantastic. We're going to see what happens in two weeks' time. If you want to join us along for the ride, feel free to like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at the JGF1 Podcast. And we will see you for the next episode. See ya. See ya.